Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk about tackle hoarders, rough water stories from the Columbia River, crazy fishing schedules, and a whole lot more. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Before we go any further, I've got to let you know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've trusted the Hercules Tires TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more about Hercules Tires by following them on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. It kind of seems like our country is uh, not so slowly burning down this week, but here we are again, ready to talk about fishing because that's all we know how to do. So welcome back. What's going on with you guys? Are you guys, are you guys still alive over there? Well, I went to, I am alive. Thank you very much. I wanted to see if Rob was going to take that hot potato yeah, out of your hands. you think the there. host would queue up one specific person, but I just like to throw it out there and, and make it more difficult. Yeah. Well, I like that, Josh, you're just re- ready to grapple with the insurrection right off the top. Usually that's not your style, but I'm very much alive. I, uh, I, I, I found the uh, seven piece lego set for the capital insurrection but it's on back order so i'm trying to find something to do with myself in the meantime but uh everything's good man we're very much just just rolling uh we resumed wearing the second grade and kindergartner teaching hats the kids are home from school so i've been practicing my janitorial skills i'm a pretty mean lunch lady um last week was just invested in early childhood education and just close your eyes and imagine how much learning my kids are getting when I'm responsible for my wife is too. And she's pretty good at it. But when I'm in charge, just imagine how much learning goes on when it's, when it's my turn. And the answer is not much. You got them helping you find cars on (laughs) Craigslist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're grunt labor. (laughs) Oh, those are not the filters I asked you to use. (laughs) (laughs) Offer him 500 bucks. No one can be mean to a kid. (laughs) That's cool. Right on, man. When do they go back or do they, are they scheduled to go back or is it indefinite right now? Yeah. Well, they, in order to stave off the pitchforks and torches storming down to the school board, they claim it's only two weeks, but if any, if any indication of last year's a guide, I think it's, it's going to be, you know, to be determined, but I saw a pretty awesome meme where it was 2020 and it was a two and then the zero was a roll of toilet paper and then two and the zero is a roll of toilet paper. And 2021 is a two with the zero is a roll of toilet paper, then a two. And then the one is the cardboard tube in the middle when you're out of toilet paper. So hopefully that's no indication <laughs> of what lies ahead this year. <laughs> it's appropriate. Very appropriate. But I'm ready right for on. it if it is. That's cool, yeah. man. Right on. How about you, Rob? What, what are you up to this week, dude? On my end, I mean, everything, my days are just blending together. I just, I'm just working on the house every day. I know that's all I talk about right now, but the quicker I get it done, the quicker I get back yeah. to what I enjoy doing. So have you tiled the ceilings in that thing yet? I feel like you got to be out no. of places to tile. No, I'm just slow. I just like, right. I'm still on the Wait, floor, but you're a perfectionist. 
You're anal. I bet mm. every gap, if you're doing like eighth inch gaps, I bet they all fall in a range of like three thou. And if they don't, you like peel them back up, right? Yeah, I, everything's pretty tight, but I, I just, bet it uh, is. Oh my it, gosh. Whatever. It's just, it is what it is. So that's kind of what, that's all I got going, unfortunately. That's so, cool. Well, dude, I yeah. can't wait for the tour. After you finish up, you're going to post your ad. We're going to announce your address and then we're going to have a party. COVID's going right. to be over and all the listeners are going to be able to come over to your house. We'll have a party at your house and you can give a tour and show all this nice work you've done. Yeah, we're actually going to have a party and we were intending on doing a uh, 50th birthday party for me, but oh. I don't think the house is going to be done in that Isn't time. Isn't that like so. five years from now when you turn 50? Is that how far into the future you're planning on finishing this? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually within uh, the next couple few months. So, oh, that's exciting, dude. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you're mostly done by then. I but, doubt uh, we will be. I really don't think we will. I think we're gonna go. It's gonna go a while, but that you know, that's just because I'm. I have a hard time letting go and having other people do stuff, and I just continue to do stuff myself, and it just takes time. So, look on the bright side, dude. How many hot dogs have you eaten outside of a Home Depot in the last three months? Are you just like the Zero. Home Depot? Game? You know, they don't have the hot dog stand. Imagine COVID that. COVID killed that too. I think so. I haven't seen one. Unbelievable. Yeah. But first homeschooling, now no more hot dog carts at Home Depot. What really is this world coming to? You'd think dude, if, if you, you eat enough of those, you'd get immune to coronavirus. <laughs> On well, a Friday or Saturday ads. night, if you guys happen to drive up Power Road, like Power and Brown, they have a food truck thing. There's nice. like a, a Sonoran hot dogs, dude. There's there's got to be forty food trucks and thousands of people every week. Like every weekend, yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like it's mind boggling. I I can't. It, it, I don't know. It's just it's not normal for right now. But it's cool to see that they're at least. Uh, able to uh you know do survive. what they do Self survive food. yeah so you know i think there is a lot of quarantine fatigue because we went back to the old aquarium yesterday as a family union and i i know there's rules i don't know specifically what it is but they reduce occupancy but it was still like whatever that occupancy was there was i think we're all just a little a little burned out at this point yeah 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 josh well, i see something shiny behind you what is that that's my new boat, man. Yeah, I had a. Uh, I I complained. I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a real jerk here, man. Complaining about getting my brand new boat that I just got registered. It's such a tough life, you know. But uh, I I had a frustrating <laughs> week because I I get this boat in and uh, hey, man, this is my job. Like I've got stuff going on. I actually had to postpone a guide trip uh, because of my issues and um, and I'm not doing much guiding. You know, it was like the one thing I had lined up for the week and. It's important for me to get this thing on the water and get it dialed in. Like Redcrest is coming up in a month and um, I need to be like ready to go. So I get the boat and it's just like beautifully rigged. Everything's good to go. It's um, I'm fired up to get it on the water, but I've got to pay my taxes on this thing before I can get it registered just with the funky way that I, I, I get the boat. So I go to the department of revenue, like I always do. And they're closed because of COVID. So just not, not a big deal. Just another thing. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a workaround. So there's a phone number to call. I call the phone number and it, and it goes immediately to a voicemail. We are not accepting phone calls at this time <laughs> because uh, we are currently overwhelmed and blah, blah, blah. Go to the live chat online 
where you can speak with a live representative. So I'm like, oh, that sucks. So I'll just, at least I'll talk to someone live on live chat. So I go and type in my long question into live chat. And within one second, I get the automatic reply. We are currently not accepting live chat entries at this time due to COVID. (laughs) And we are currently overwhelmed and blah, blah, blah. Please send an email to this email address. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, that's the kiss of death because I'll never get an email. You send an email off into the abyss to, to something you don't know. It's it's not like the English happy hour email where we get one email every every and three we months. We're going to reply it. to that right away. <laughs> uh, this, this email is like never going to get returned. So I send my email off and lo and behold, I get one back. But um, so I actually became, was in contact with a person. But long story short, it took me a week to uh, pay taxes just to pay the taxes <laughs> you so, would think they'd want that if there was yeah. anything the government was well staffed at it would be collecting your money i agree i agree man yeah it's it's hard to be a law-abiding citizen these days man that's just all there is to it man it's a lot easier to break the law than to to follow the rules but i think where you went wrong was you you should have approached the department of revenue office shirtless with a set of buffalo horns and a bullhorn. <laughs> and then they would have just opened the door. Just let you right in. Yeah. And would have took a dude. selfie with you as you breached him to give him the $84 in tax you owed him to get your registration. Yeah. What I loved was there were they had two security guards uh, guarding the door of the locked building. Not one, <laughs> but two when I went over there to uh, fend off anyone who might want to get in to the empty building. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does look really nice, dude. What's the color scheme on that? Is it just black and white? It's it's black and white, man. I'm really happy with it. It's a it's a sweet rig. It's it actually looks just like the last one, but it's it's a Z21 Nitro with 250, the new four stroke from. I say new. It's three years old now. The motor's been around for three years, but uh, I added one cool thing I got this year on it was uh, I've got lithium batteries, which I hadn't Ooh. run lithium yet, and I got the uh, new charge from PowerPole. And have you guys heard about? much about the charge i didn't talk about that on the last podcast did i no tell us about you you have talked about it um just haven't went into detail and maybe maybe not even on the podcast but i know you've mentioned it so it's cool i mean it's been something that it's been out for about a year a couple of my buddies ran it last year and um, i just didn't like i just forgot to order it basically last year so i made sure to get it this time and it's it's like a battery it's a battery charger but it's a battery like management system so you connect it to an app on your phone and you can control it by that. And you can manipulate your batteries while you're charging or when you're on the water to do what you want them to do. So like it, it's kind of default mode is it keeps all batteries at the same level. So it actually can, can, and I'm talking cranking battery and trolling batteries. So it keeps them all draining like one big battery. Um, so if you're really hard on your cranking battery on a specific day, it's going to pull some juice out of your trolling batteries to keep that cranking battery level or, or vice versa. If you, if you want to pull from one side or the other, you can do that. You can just go into the app and, 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 and set it up that way. The same comes to charging. Like if you feel like you've drained the cranking battery too hard, you can put the emphasis to charge on the cranking battery first. And then once that's charged, it'll take that that voltage and bring it to the trolling batteries. So pretty cool, man. Um, if you get into like an, an, a, a dire emergency and they're all dead, you know, and they're all almost dead and it's the end of the day and you got to get back to the boat ramp, you can put it into emergency start mode and it'll take like five minutes, take all the juice out of every battery, 
put it in your cranking battery, you can fire it up one time and get back to the ramp. That's, that's a sweet feature there. That's pretty cool. It is, huh? Yeah, definitely. So yeah. I haven't yeah. had battery problems in the last seven <laughs> minutes, so I really don't see any of the applicability of that. That just sounds like a bunch of hey, nonsense. Josh, talk about, do you guys, I mean, when's the last time you've run your trolling motor batteries out in a day? Oh, I dude, mean, I was doing it all the time last year. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and it really would only happen to me like in the summertime when, and see last year I was just running regular like lead trolling batteries. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen with the lithiums. They seem to last a little bit better and be a little bit uh, more powerful, but it would happen to me like fishing those Northern fisheries in the summertime when you pr it, literally, you can practice all day when it's light. Right. So yeah. we're pre-fishing for an MLF tournament and you get on the water at like 6am and it only gets dark at nine. So you're going to, oh, yeah. you're going to fish 14 or 15 hours and you're covering water. You're what really will kill a battery of course is uh fishing in current, but another sneaky way to kill your batteries is, is, fishing through grass all day man you know how yeah, it's you know just just cutting through grass all day in your trolling motor so like there there would be no no big deal early in the year or late in the year you know on a normal eight hour fishing day but it's gonna make a bit like that was the reason i would be getting off the water in the summertime because my batteries just couldn't take it anymore and like with a standard charger too man when you kill them like that it takes 12 plus hours to charge them up so you hit a point to where like you know that you're not even going to be able to get them charged by the next morning. Mm. So you have to get off the water. I think that, I think that is gone now with, the, with this setup. Yeah. I'm anxious to see. I think it, I think you're right. It should be uh plus you lost a lot of weight on the deal too, right? Oh yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's like a full size person that you take out of the, the boat. I mean, these batteries, I don't know what they weigh 10 pounds compared to, uh, you know, 80 pound AGMs, man, yeah. you know, times four. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yep. It'll be interesting. Yeah, so PowerPole, huh? <clears throat> I thought that's a little bit of a new direction for them product-wise. They must have doubled down on some research and got an electrical engineer on staff or two of them maybe. They've got some smart folks over there. That's for sure. That's for sure, man. Yeah, you know, I didn't see it coming, but uh, yeah, it's 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 sweet, man. It's a, it's a sweet system and Gave it a year to kind of get the kinks worked out. So we'll see. And the, and the lithiums are, are tracker lithiums. They're from Bass Pro Shops, man. Um, can't miss them. They're like lime green. So, oh, yeah. nice. I thought maybe they uh, were. We'll see how they are. I'm excited though, man. I mean, I, I I am excited. I've been I've been putting off doing the lithiums for for a few different reasons, but finally, I think this is the year to to do it, man. They've been around long enough, and and having having that charger gave me a lot more faith in it. Yeah. Um, and it makes you thing, sound more legit too. Yeah, for sure, dude. Once I'm you say lithiums. that, dude, it's like people be like, I would get asked all the time, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm just running <laughs> standard batteries, and they'd go, oh. <laughs> Seriously, oh. <laughs> instant. You went from a low tech redneck to a high tech redneck and four batteries, man. You you were right. Well, and then you count the powerful things. That's like high tech to the max. No doubt. No doubt. Are they well, coming down in price at all? Yeah, you know, they, they definitely are, just like anything. They're still they're still going to cost significantly more up front, but they, you know, they last five to 10 years, man. So when you take that into consideration, uh, it's, it's, 
you're probably Tracking. saving money to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. uh, time, time was going to tell on these guys, but I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it. I know a couple of dudes that have been running the, the tracker lithiums and they've been pretty happy with them, you know, over at Bass, the guys that work over at Bass Pro for the last year. So I'm, I'm stoked about them, but um, yeah, they, it's an investment up front. It's going to cost you a few grand to get, to get set up, but you can take them from boat to boat to boat. I don't know about you guys. How long do batteries last for you, man? I mean, it, it, I usually would only get a year or two out of batteries in this heat. Yeah. It's hard to get two years. You're I'm usually, you know, guiding and charging them every day. I'm usually uh, looking to change them out like a year and a half somewhere in that range, you know? So yeah, that's, I mean, that adds up quick, dude. You're buying a set of four batteries every year and a half. Like that's, that's a lot. Yep. Yep. Right on. Um, Well, We've got a we've got a very random episode here. We've got a bunch of random topics. Some some stuff listeners wrote in. Um, do you guys? I, I want you guys to check this out. I should have had you do it before, um, but as always, we're unprepared. But on the uh, MLF Big Five, which was formerly FLW, their YouTube page, they posted a video of Tom Monsoor's garage, like his tackle storage. I think I saw uh-huh. it late last night, so I didn't want to send it to you guys too late, but. Uh, what a tackle hoarder. I've never seen tackle hoarding like this in my life. And, and, and not in a bad way. It's not like he's got, you know, stacks and stacks of baits that are falling over and, and sticking treble hooks in your head when you walk by. But um, just the amount of tackle this guy has, it's incredible. Um, do you guys know any like psychotic tackle hoarders guys that, that have just so much stuff they'll, they'll never even use it. They'll never even know they have it at this point. I can see the glow on Rob's face. <laughs> Rob's he's looking look, for he's it. Looking yeah. at the video. <laughs> I, you know, man, I, uh, I, I just you, I, you know, I was pretty impressed with Ty's little pegboard last week when we were talking to him. He had the video going on and it looked pretty good. Um, I don't know anyone. Does it? Now that we've helped people customize and save with Liberty. Sorry, guys. It, that's cool. <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, does it blow you away that you could like that? Rob doesn't have more tackle. I think Rob's got a secret tackle room. I still do that. I think you've got a secret place, dude, where you <laughs> hide all your tackle, right? Cause in Arizona, we don't wear coats. So you just walk right by, you don't even know. And then you'd open it and like a pack of, you know, curly tail grubs just falls out on you from like <laughs> exactly. 1991. Dude, he's got some vintage lures too, huh? Yeah. It just kind of like fast forward through that thing. You can see sure. he's got a crazy amount of vintage lures, like a crazy amount. And like halfway through, he starts to go into his tackle that he's actually using. And he's got, you know, for for dang near every type of bait, he's got like a deep, clear bin. And these baits are still all in the boxes, like hard baits, like thousands of topwaters, thousands of jerk baits, thousands of crankbaits. That, that he never even took them out of the cardboard box. It's unbelievable. The funniest part about it is he only throws a swim jig. <laughs> That's, dude, you're totally right. You're totally right. No matter where he goes, he had a, there were some good, good write-ups on the dude. There was a good one on Bass Fan. We talked about him on the show before, but I think he's like 73 and uh, yeah. he won like $240,000 on the uh, FLW tour this year and only fished like six tournaments, dude. <laughs> he had a heck of a year. <clears throat> yeah. He's got some tackle. That's for sure. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. So what's the protocol on like reselling any of that stuff? You can, right? It's like it's his stuff. 
Yeah, and I don't think that sponsor stuff, bro. Like that oh. stuff he bought. Like, like they're all random stuff. brands, and like it's just completely random. So like, yeah, like huh. you know, for a lot of the listeners, like when you get sponsored by a company, a lot of times you know it's in your contract that you're not supposed to sell the stuff you get. They just don't want you sense. taking it and turning it. They want you using it and promoting it, not flipping <laughs> it for cash yeah. on the side. But uh, yeah, like his stuff, it's just it's everything. It's just it's mind boggling. Like. Huh. That dude just has just dropped money on tackle. It's it's incredible. I mean, how many years has he been fishing? So I mean, it's just think about it's an it's accumulation not, thing. Yeah, I would have way more tackle if I still fish tournaments and I was still traveling and stuff. I mean, you just accumulate stuff over time. Every tournament you go to, you spend a big chunk of money. You know, I'm sure you still do that, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Local man. tackle stores and. Yeah, you go into a local shop and you just can't, you just can't get out of there for without buying at least you know a handful of different things, right? Yeah. And uh, and yeah, yeah, everywhere you go, it's super specific. It's frustrating sometimes, dude, because I'll look back, I'll be like organizing or going through stuff and be like, dang, dude, I bought these like six, seven years ago. Never even fished them in the tournament, and I'm never gonna touch them now. You know, like yeah, they're still in the package. Yeah, it's a done right. deal. You know, so you just stuff, need to autograph them. And then sell them. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Like limited edition, you know, Bertrand signed. Josh Bertrand mistake purchase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't work. They, yeah. If they didn't work for me, that doesn't mean collector's much, item. Thought that was cool. You guys check that out on the, uh, the uh, MLF uh, big five Socials. YouTube. They've got, it's kind of a weird deal right now with that purchase of FLW because they're trying to merge everything together. So they just merged the websites. So like FLW website and Major League Fishing website just merged, but they've got still separate YouTubes and social medias. So uh, that would be on the MLF Big Five. I think that is what they're calling the uh, social media for that side. Um, another one, we've got a couple questions that, that folks wrote in. Um, and this question, I think we need to dive deeper when we get someone. I've got a buddy, uh, Tyler Brinks, up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. He's a hammer of a fisherman, and he's a writer. He'd be a good guy to have on the podcast. But um, this listener wrote in, uh, and thank you for the question. He's like, uh, he asked, how much experience do you guys have fishing in the Pacific Northwest? Um, and for me, it's almost none. And Nick, I'm, I'm assuming you haven't much, but I know Rob, you fished uh, Columbia River a handful of times, right, man? Yeah, I, I fished. Um, I think every time the Bassmaster Western opens one up there, I fished it. Um, and that's just on the Columbia River out of Tri Cities, which is uh, Eastern Washington. Um, that's my only experience up there. Is is that body of water? Um, it was. Uh, I think one of the, when you lock down out of the, the original pool that you start in, it's the windsurfing capital of the world. And oh. it, it is for real. So the current would roll to the West, right? And the, and the wind would blow out of the West. So it would just stand those waves straight mm. up and down real tight. And you have Hard to stay in the channel. You can't yes. like do a bunch of zigzagging or no, run a, a bank like you can on a lake. Like you just have right. to go straight. Yep. Yep. And it was, I mean, it was, uh, that place would absolutely destroy boats. I mean, it was hard on them. Uh, cause you'd run quite a ways. It was, God, my memory is, I want to say it was like a 50 minute run to the lock. Did ever, did a lot of folks lock? 
Yes. Do a lot of folks lock? Yes, and those locks, uh, probably half the field in some okay. of those days, you know? I mean, especially when you could, because you couldn't, there was days where you couldn't lock, you couldn't even get down to it. Um, but those locks, if you've never experienced them, they're unbelievable. They're, I mean, half the field would fit in one lockdown. I mean, they're giant. I think and it's a lot of vertical feet, right? Like a yeah, crazy amount. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just guessing, but it's, I mean, I know it's over 100 feet. I'm That's sure crazy, it's, dude. It's like, like when I lock, like, <clears throat> like back east, it's like six feet usually. Yeah, it's you, not much. It's yeah, not so much. The complete opposite of that is like locking out of Lake Toho down into the other lakes and you lock, you know, you drop two feet. Yeah, you seriously, <laughs> it's dude, it's nothing. Yeah, yep. yeah, it happened. How long does it take for 100 feet? It's a, it, and, I, we need to look it up because I don't want to be wrong that it's a hundred feet, but it's, uh, I mean, it takes quite a while. And, um, the biggest pro pointer I can give you on those deals is get in front of the lock, like get, get all the way on, get there early and get in quick and be one of the first boats out. Cause it's an absolute boat race out of them. You know that yeah. any lock is that way, dude. It's like scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. They open the floodgates. Hey, have you ever, uh, have you ever come out of a lock when it's just like four footers on the other side? Like there's nowhere to go and all the boats are together. They open the lock up and it's just like the waves are just stacked. It's just, it's an absolute nightmare scenario. Like if you took even experienced boaters would like, it's, it's one of the scariest things in the world, dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. They just open the lock up and there's four footers coming in. I don't know if I've experienced that because if the waves were that big on the Columbia, you wouldn't even get down to that lock. Ah, oh, yeah, so, makes sense. You know, yeah. but it's it's surprising there's not there hasn't been accidents in big tournaments on you know coming out of locks because I mean I I locked down on the Red River in Louisiana it was like dude that was the scariest thing I've ever done racing down that river so yeah yeah it's interesting. Rob, it's does sca- that? stretch have sturgeon in it in the columbia river it does and it's funny you mentioned that because every time i've locked down um right below that lock there would be guides and dude those sturgeon must hmm. bite because every time someone was fighting one every no time way. you go by them they're bowed up yep catching a sturgeon it's pretty cool that's cool so is, is it all catch and release on those sturgeon i believe it is um and you know, what's funny is like the smallmouth, and there's a few largemouth in there. Like a lot of the locals, they, they focus on walleyes and sturgeon and sand, you know, just like the bass fishing is obviously secondary, growing, but it is totally secondary up there. I mean, it's, uh, uh, people are fishermen, not bass fishermen up there, yeah. you know? So that's cool. That's one little subset in the fishing world. I think is fun <laughs> when, uh, different groups of anglers have to, occupy the same space and then the, the bantering and the labeling that goes on i uh I know firsthand that uh, the fly fishing community tends to be really supportive and endearing towards tournament competitive right. bass fishing so <laughs> you can only imagine what the sturgeon guys probably say about a bunch of hot rod bass boats going 70 miles an hour past them to catch three pound fish when they're like probably drinking beer and catching like 80 pound sturgeon listening to music yeah, having a blast. <laughs> if you put it like that, we sound pretty stupid, don't we, man? Yeah. yeah no I, I recall one day there, the wind blew so hard that nobody could lock down, but it blew so hard, and that area was so, like, a pretty 
Pacific Northwest, you think of an area, you think of a lot of moisture, right? But it was pretty yeah. arid and dry in that area. That part of uh, Washington is like desert, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's like a high, yeah. And the wind was blowing so hard when you come to weigh in or just, I mean, throughout the day, you had grit in your teeth. <laughs> it was disgusting, but that was just one day. It's usually beautiful up there. So what's wild cool. is you, yeah, it's just, a, it's an interesting, it's like that high desert landscape. You just don't expect that driving all the way up north like that. Like, uh, it just looks like a really interesting place, man. What, what are the numbers like of fish in there? Like, can you, is it, is it like, is it, I know it's a good fishery, but is it, is, it like, is it prolific or is it just, is it good? It's, it's, it's good, but it's, man, you, you really got to get dialed in to catch them. Like, and it, the reason I would lock down is because the numbers were greater locking down. And I had one day, um, you guys know who Mark Tyler is. He and I were sharing yep. a spot down there. He had one side of it. I had another. And you literally couldn't, like, when you would go to net your partner's fish, if your drop shot was in the water, you'd have one on as soon as you picked your rod up. I mean, that it good. was oh. it was ridiculous. So that good that fun. I'm like, Mark, <clears throat> we need to leave this spot. And it was probably a kiss of death for me because – um, I said, we need to leave this spot. Cause I think we've caught what we're going to catch. And I said, I'll, I'll leave. If you leave, it was just one of those deals. You know, I didn't want to leave him there to and he didn't leave me there. Right. So we decided to leave it. Of course, the wind blew a bazillion miles an hour the next day and you couldn't get down there. Um, and then the last day we got down there and I started on the spot. He did too. They didn't bite early. I freaked out and left and didn't catch him. He ended up catching him there because uh, he stuck around and they just happened to bite. But it was, it was, um, that was probably my only real memory of a phenomenal fishing, you know, day there. Gotcha. Um, what made that spot so good? Probably just lack of pressure. And there was just, they were just piled up on, it was in the middle of the river. Um, I just happened upon it, just graphing around and finding contour changes and happened to make the right cast, you know, during practice. And nice. obviously Mark did too. It was really funny. Mark Tyler and I, I don't know how many times we would be sharing spots. Um, no kidding. He obviously, yeah. He obviously fared better than I did, but. Uh, he's a good fisherman, dude. Oh, he's yeah. dude's a stud. Yeah. 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 So I spent a fair amount of my time watching him catch big fish, but um, yeah. Uh, nice guy and a great fisherman. It's a shame he's not still fishing because he definitely has the ability. So I guided like his brother-in-law one time. Really? Like my brother-in-law is a professional fisherman or was, you know, and he tell I'm like, whoa, that's crazy, man. Uh, he, he, was he from Scottsdale? Because I think Mark lived down here for a while, didn't he? Yeah, I, I don't even remember any of it, man. But I, yeah, I think okay. at the time he had moved back east, like Mark had moved back east already at that point. But uh, okay. how big was that fish that he had, that record fish? Like like a 15 14 pounder something. Delta? 14, 14 something. 14 something, yeah. Yeah, absolute toad. So, That's cool. Still the uh, record, right? I, yeah, I think so, man. I yeah, so. I think so, actually. Um that's cool. It sounds like an awesome fishery, man. I'd love to, I'd love to get up there, but it is, it's, it's like 20 plus hours from Phoenix and they just, it's a shame there haven't I, the last year that I was going to fish at bass before everyone had swapped over. They were going to the Columbia river the next year. It was on the schedule and people put up such a stink about coming all the way out West. They literally wiped it off the schedule. I couldn't oh, believe it. What um, a bummer. <laughs> yeah, dude. Seriously. Like, I mean, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that sucked. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was very weak, man. Like it just, it is, you know, the dudes that, 
the the dudes that didn't want to travel put up such a stink. They uh, they took it off the schedule, but hopefully we get up there at some point. It would be awesome. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, sorry we don't show more love to that part of the country. We just don't know much about it. And um, we need to, like I said, I'll get Tyler on. We can talk a little more in depth about that place and, and some others. It sounds interesting. I also have another, probably one of my scariest boat rides I've ever had was up there. Um, this these was like the, 18 foot champion days, Rob. No, they were, that long uh, ago, or did you have like big boy boats, 20 foot nitros, I think with two hundreds, um, early on. And then, uh, you know, 20 foot tritons with two twenty fives on them. So uh-huh. legit boats. Uh, yeah. So the first time I went there, the tracker dealer, I think it was the son of the owner. I left my rig there cause I went up and pre-fished, left my rig, came back up. So when I was up there pre-fishing, um, the son of the owner of the dealership went out with me and he's like, we got to run up the Yakima <laughs> dude. I like, like you shallow? look down. Oh, shallow boulders. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting in the passenger seat guiding me. I, I swear the dude had only had a tiller motor, aluminum. Boat <laughs> Never had a jet. big boat up there. Oh my boat. goodness, dude. It, it was so scary. And we went up there and caught a bunch of little dinks, but it, uh, I mean, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, a place like that will make your bass boat, like your bass boat feels tiny out in the open water, but it'll make your boat feel like the Titanic. An aircraft carrier. A place like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I was in no position at that point to be. Rip a boat, a motor off. Yeah. Ripping boats up and having to (laughs) put them back together. So. That's too bad Instagram wasn't around back then, dude, because at least you could have posted a bunch of pictures of those dinks and, you know, your fan base would have appreciated it, would have made it all worth the while. Yeah, I don't think I had a fan base. You do now, though. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Dude, that that made me think of, and then I was, you know, frantically scrolling. Did you guys see, it was a one bass tournament, right, where the winning team, one of the guys was fishing with a fly rod out of the back of the boat? Yeah, Wild West. Wild West. Wild West. Yeah. yeah. That's Bring worth it. noting. Good call, dude. Yeah. So it was like Wild West up on Shasta. And uh, float and fly has become probably the top big fish technique up there in recent years, which is crazy. And again, this is just from talking to buddies. It's I haven't been up there. But um, yeah, the float and fly, man. So like, And he physically did it with a fly rod that was uh pretty gnarly man i've never heard of that before have you uh have you guys ever seen that yeah i I'm speechless i didn't and so break down like the the float and fly and what you think like obviously i said you don't have any firsthand experience but like why is that a big fish magnet that sounds counterintuitive to say the least yeah it's got to be it's it's the spotted bass are such suspending fish by nature. Like, like okay. they suspend unlike smallmouth and largemouth. They love to suspend. They love to swim in open water. Not relating to cover. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And those giant fish are out in that open water eating, eating, you know, trout or kokanee or whatever, whatever the heck is in there. That's what's in there. Right, Rob? That's what a lot of those big fish kokanee. eat. Yeah. The, the, yeah. My take on the, on the spots when they suspend, they still bite though. Where, yeah, they're not. You know, just, you're totally right. They're they're not lethargic in no man's land. They're right. they're still ready to go on the feed. Right. Yeah, that's the difference to me. Is I mean, they'll they'll still bite versus a smallmouth or a largemouth suspending. Sometimes they're harder to get them to bite. But so sense. my ignorance but. shines through here. So the the float and fly is 
actually what's attracted them or is it attracting the kokanee, which is attracting the big spots? That's hilarious. Yeah, dude, it's, it's, it, their, their bass are biting the a size. The jig. It's like a small hair jig uh-huh. suspended under a float. So they're uh-huh. literally suspending this thing over the abyss, you know, like it might be wow. 10 feet down. They've got their, their um, float is on a, uh, they've got like a peg, say okay. 10 feet up their line. Right. And um, they're float. they'll cast it out and that little tiny hair jig will go down and then they just sit there. And um, you know, it, it's literally bobber fishing, but it's like high tech bobber fishing. Yeah. And it's legal cause it's not live bait. And, you know, even if you just get like the smallest ripple on the surface, that, that little jig's just going like this, you know, cause <laughs> the hair jig already is moving practically. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like either a marabou or um, uh, like a, a different type of different type of hair jig, but human um, hair <laughs> <laughs> mullet. Yeah. Get a yeah, mullet jig go, out man. there. <laughs> Dude, I, I love the, Here, go ahead, I think Robert. the part people are missing in this deal is where the guy did it with a fly rod. I mean, you have to be a highly skilled fly caster to be able to be effective with the fly rod in those situations. Don't you think? And then you have to cast around your damn pros power pole charging system and all that (laughs) madness going on back there. You know, could you imagine like that guy deserves a gold medal? Did you show this to your brother, Nick? I forgot. It's funny when I made the joke about the sturgeon and the people talking crap on bass fishermen, that's what spawned the memory. So I need to send it to him. He would appreciate it because that dude has sat in the back of Nick's boat, folks, so many times, not refusing to put his fly rod down and watching watching Nick just catch fish after fish. Absolutely, and he still refuses, huh? Yeah, it's almost like he appreciates the the banter and the abuse he receives. And he had he's had like two banner days in like the ten years of getting his. Well, he like has he ever outfished your conventional? Yeah, like he's had days where I remember at Saguaro one time, and I don't know if it's representative of all fly fishermen. It's probably not because general stereotypes are only true half the time. But for him, like he's just excited. It could be like, you know, a tilapia fry, and he'd be excited that he caught it. And then it could be like a 17-pound largemouth, and he'd be equally as excited as the tilapia fry. I think it's just like the variety. Well, I think there's some variety involved. So one day at Saguaro, he caught like, I don't know, it was probably a 10 or 12 pound channel catfish on a streamer. And it was the most bizarre fight ever because it just sat on the bottom and he was using like a six weight. So it was bending at the top, you know, cork grip. And there was just nothing that could happen. And when the catfish was finally, finally tired of having pressure, he swam to the top and I netted it for him. But it was like, at least a 10 minute fight. Oh my gosh. So dude, he catches this just bruiser of a catfish and he's all excited. And, and then like an hour later, same thing, dude, he comes tight and like nothing's going on. He's just bent over and you can tell it's a fish. He's not snagged. Dude, that ended up being like a seven and a half pound largemouth. So he caught like a giant largemouth wow. and a giant catfish. And I had, I don't remember catching anything memorable that day. So clearly he kicked my butt that day. And then have you ever seen those wild cousins of the carp that we have here? Those Buffalo fish? Yes. Yeah. Dude, one time at um, out uh, at Apache, dude, he caught like who knows how big that thing was. It was like at least twenty, maybe twenty-five pounds. Wow. Again, on that same damn six weight, I had to chase the thing on the trolley motor because it was just 
it was it hardly even felt any of the resistance of the hook in its mouth he fought that thing forever and then we finally netted it and again like he was ecstatic so it's crazy how that catches like and i don't know in the deal on shasta if that guy was getting any by catch but having him in the back he's caught turtles on flies at apache like you just catch the most random stuff but he loves it speaking of buffaloes it reminds me of a story this had to be 25 years ago at apache uh, Mark Kyle and I used to fish a lot of team tournaments together and we would go up there and literally throw a jerk bait all day long. And, you know, majority of the day you were not getting bit and all of a sudden you need to run into him and catch him. Well, we're starting to catch him and he hooks into this fish and he's fighting. He's like, we obviously knew it wasn't a bass. This thing was a giant Buffalo carp, right? <laughs> they're at Apache, aren't they, dude? That's like, there must be a yes, lot of them there. Yes. And we're like, we were not concerned about getting the fish in, but we were such, and this goes back to how little tackle I have. We wanted to get the jerk bait back. <laughs> These are sure. kind of like OG Smithwick rogues, right? Yeah. So we're fighting, he's fighting this fish back and it comes up to the boat and I'm such a dummy, dude. This thing gets to the side of the boat and it looks like it's dead because it just lays on its side. So I just tap it with the net instead of netting it. Uh-huh. Of course, when I tap it, it's Explodes. back on the bottom. It's on the <laughs> explodes. It's on the yeah. bottom again. I'm like, Mike, Mark is screaming at me, just calling me every name. He just woke it up. Uh huh. So he had to fight it. Anyhow, I ended up getting it in and getting the jerk bait. But I, I'll never forget that story. Just because it the was. Fish. Yeah, what a dummy I am, right? But that's hilarious. Well, yeah, you thought it was dead, dude. It looked like it was. Yeah. It just it was playing dead for if sure. If you ever look inside that giant black. It looks like an eight ball. Its eyeball is seriously the size of a billiard ball. Yeah. And it's the most terrifying thing ever, dude. It looks like it's from a different planet and it's no like kidding. alien technology monitoring yeah. us or something like it. You stare into that eyeball and you just feel your soul getting swallowed. That's got to be some bizarre fish. <laughs> I believe it's a very sought after catch for a lot of the people that catch carp and stuff, right? I think I mean, there's it's... some uniqueness to it. I've, yeah. I've read little bits and pieces um, one of the friends and fans of the podcast is uh, Vince Borrego. I know he caught a giant one out of Canyon. And I think about the extent of my knowledge was reading his post on Facebook about it. I think they live like millennia too. I think those are old, just big, crazy fish. And yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that fish that my brother caught, I think it finally just let us net it because he was tired of us bothering him. Like, I think he had enough strength <laughs> to keep fighting the negative three pound test line he just was ready to be on with his day and he knew we weren't going to keep him think about like uh if, if that dude does live 75 years like i wonder how many times he gets caught yeah probably not too many in these over that ones, long so. yeah yeah you're probably right rob because people aren't targeting well, didn't Scooter catch a giant on a shaky head a million yeah. years ago too at Apache? So apparently they're carnivorous enough that like they get in the wrong place at the wrong time. We've caught a couple too just on jerk baits, you know, uh, as well up there, but not that big. Like, yeah, that so that one scooter caught was crazy big. It was so big he put it on the cover of the of the guiding pamphlet. <laughs> we gave him such a hard time because we were a bass guide service and we had a carp as the uh, cover of our pamphlet that was in all the resorts. But uh, it was such a big fish. It was an eye catcher. That's for sure. Dude. He was just ahead of the time, dude. If you were Orvis endorsed and you had a picture of a big carp, you'd be like on the front of everything. You'd be like the go-to destination. They, they love themselves some carp fishing and they're fairly fun to catch. I have to say, but I don't know. We digress. It's pretty, pretty funny though, that uh, 
you have a little crossover like that and that guy won big money and won a really competitive tournament whipping around a, a rubber band like that. Very cool. A hundred percent. Props to him. So one thing that Robin brought up that uh, we'll talk about real quick too is uh, John Cox. Uh, John Cox just announced he's going to fish all three major tours in like professional fishing next year. He's going to fish major league fishing bass pro tour. The, what was formerly FLW tour. Now it's called the big five tour, major league fishing, big five tour and the elite series, which he fished last year. Um, Pretty crazy, man. Like it's, Honestly, like I had a really hard time even deciding if I was going to fish both the BPT and the big five, like two of the three and two was too much with my kids. So I'm just doing one and he goes out there and signs up for all three. How crazy is that, Rob? It's, what is that? Like 21 major events? Is that right? Something like that? Well, let's think about it. That's uh and that's just the bare minimum, right? That's assuming right. he doesn't like uh well I Qualify guess for, or anything. Yeah, he's he's definitely gonna be in last year's classic, which will be yeah. this summer now. It just got moved to June. So Did it really uh, interesting. Yep, 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 with COVID. Okay. Um same lake? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a lot, dude. I mean, and that's and that's not over the course of a year. That's over the course of like six or seven months. And that was my struggle. It was like if I was going to do two to- the, both those tours, I would have only been home for like thirty days out of like seven or eight months. That's two. I yeah. I just don't. I I have never seen all three schedules laid on top of each other. But like, um, the, the, he's going to have no weeks off, and he's going to miss tournaments. Like, I don't know if he's going to have to have two rigs. He might have two rigs. Like, that's just so much. And. I, I can appreciate it, man. He's just a diehard, hardcore tournament dude that he, the way he fishes, he doesn't need to do a bunch of, he's going to fish similarly everywhere he goes, regardless. Like yep. a, a lot of dudes will conform their type of fishing for the type of fishery they're going to, but he's just going to fish shallow and go into the back of creeks. And, and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But more, more often than not, he finds a way to make it happen. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to win a pile of money if he continues to, fish at the level that he has over the, you know, this next year. But my question to you is how many guys do you think would do it? If the, he, John Cox is in a unique situation where he, uh, was he invited to the Bass Pro Tour? Am yep. I right? Yep. Um, the FLW or the big five tour pro circuit tour. Um, he was in that already. <clears throat> and then he also has a qualification for the elites cause he was fishing that. So there's quite a few guys that don't ha- didn't have that luxury to make that choice. Um, do you think like a Jacob Wheeler would do that if he had that choice or uh, any other guys that you can think of that would do it? I think Jacob Wheeler two years ago would have, but now yeah. he's got a daughter and he actually did the same thing I did, dude. He, uh, he chose to only fish one of the, the Bass Pro Tour Major League Fishing. He actually okay. would surprise me, chose not yeah, to too. fish the big five and for the same – Dude, like if you do that, you were on the road all year long. You're not, you're not, um, it, it takes away your time from your family, but it also takes away time to do certain things for, for sponsors and for yourself. And like, it, he, Jacob's got a really successful YouTube channel. He's got a lot of great sponsors that he's, he's doing events for and things for. And like, of course, like being, probably the most important thing he, he could be doing is fishing tournaments, but I think they want him doing 
a few things other than just fishing tournaments. And like in Cox's case, that dude is going to do nothing but every single morning for eight months straight, every single morning of his life, drive to the boat ramp and fish. And that's killer. What a life. But um, that's just, I mean, he's completely sacrificing everything else, which is totally cool. But like for eight months, dude, he's not going to be home for one day. That's crazy. Going out on a limb here, but I would imagine that like marriage counselors would say that that's hard on marriages. I don't know, but maybe, maybe that depends on his wife. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Might save mine. I don't know. Maybe that is the secret to marital bliss. Just leave for eight months, (laughs) pay the credit card bill. You'd be good. No, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty impressive that he's take, taking that, um, that he's going to do that. It's, um, he's probably going to be one of the most watched or followed tournament anglers out there just to see totally. what he's doing. Happens. Yeah. 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 I mean, imagine Big if props. I don't know how the tournaments line up or any of that, but um, as far as overlaps and stuff, but imagine if he qualified for every championship, <laughs> that would be, be thoroughly one of the impressive. Be- biggest feats in fishing. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's, I mean, it's, it's possible, possible but... to miss a tournament and still do it. Like it's, it's I think not he easy, did it last year, didn't but... he? Yeah, he made the uh, um, the Big Five Championship, FLW Championship, while missing a tournament. So you right. absolutely can. That's not easy. You can't have any other. You got to be on. But, but I want to say yeah. he was contending for Angler of the Year when he missed one. Am I right? Probably so. I think probably he was so, good. man. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty high up in the. So whatever. After the season winds down, and hopefully it, he's going to be a hard guy to track down, but we should have him on and talk to him after, totally. after he goes through all this. So. Rob, I thought you yeah. were going to follow him personally and document his progress. I think he'd be like our easiest guest. Aren't you rolling out? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Rob's going to do all the, the video and, uh, and stuff like that, the editing and stuff. He's taking Ryan's right. place as far as the, on the tech guy. We've upgraded yeah, talent. Guy. Ryan's out. Rob's in. Yeah. Big, <laughs> Rob and IT are not two of the things that can be in the same sentence. So yeah, you can't spell Rob without IT. Right. <laughs> uh, other than that, not uh, not a heck of a lot as far as recent fishing on our side. Uh, this week, uh, we had like three or four guests that we were like on the verge of of having come on. It just didn't work out with anyone, so we just recorded uh, solo here. But we have some really cool guests that we've reached out to that we have um semi lined up for the rest of the month so uh those always make the episodes go really uh smooth and fun and um i think i think we've got some good stuff lined up a couple other things um nick and i and ryan and uh, rob have come up with some uh a couple different uh pieces of apparel so our first one our, our first like legit piece of apparel and we say legit we're not even sure we never even ordered one yet but um we have some hoodies on our website anglershappyhour.com we've got kind of a cool new uh, logo that ryan designed and nick threw him on a uh, on a hoodie uh what colors do we have nick um well it's kind of like when henry ford built the model t you can have any color you want as long as you pick black no i think we have three or four different colors we got light gray dark gray white and then i think we did a either a chartreuse or a fuchsia Nice. No, we have two different grays, white and uh, a blue one, a red one, actually. Yeah, so. Cool. Check it out, guys. If, you know, the winter's winding down, but, uh, you know, it's still hoodie weather for another four or five months. So um, it'd be uh, something to look at. If, if you like it, pick one up and uh, tag us. Take a picture and tag us when you get them. It would make us feel good. Ooh, yeah, that would, man. That's like nirvana right there to think 
someone is actually listening to us then would take the action steps of buying said hoodie and then photographing themselves in it. That's like, that would make a year right there. I don't even might have to be one of us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And disclaimer, the uh, website was built by one of the people who still thought it was acceptable to be recording a podcast via like truck speakers and like cans of soup and strings and FaceTime. So imagine that it will go flawlessly and everything will be perfect. Yeah, uh, we are not responsible if you don't get your $50 or a hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to go great, you man. You $50 I, and you don't get a hoodie. But I uh, consulted with somebody in India the whole time while I did it, so it's going to run flawlessly. I, I watched two YouTube videos on how to do it. I'm practically an expert at this point. Right Jake from hopeful. State Farm pitched in. We're hopeful it'll be good, and uh, thank you to anyone that decides to support and do that, man. Um, <laughs> appreciate you all very much. Um, coming up, I, I've got about a month before Redcrest, so I'm starting to do a lot of research on that. It's It looks like – so it's going to be on Lake Palestine. I got chewed out for calling it Palestine uh, last week. So the, You're going the, to the those, Middle East? East Texas. Yeah, those East Texas – yeah, the Middle East Texas. Um <laughs> They call it Palestine, and it's it's a lake that's got a bunch of big fish, but it is chock full of timber. If you guys get an extra second, not that you will, but uh, look at that thing on Google Earth and look at the amount of timber on the upper half of that lake and back in all the creeks. It's unbelievable. Like, it's unbelievable. They There's a map card that you can buy, a, uh, a, a boat lanes card that you can buy and plug into your GPS. Everyone knows about it. Everyone's getting it. But it's got, you know, a few lanes that you can run to get around the lake from point A to point B and stuff. But a lot of these lanes are like high line ditches, uh, old roadbeds and stuff like that. So you've got to be so careful when you're driving. If you drift 20 feet out of your boat lane, you know, you're good. You're going to tear happen. off your lower unit, man. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a great spot to free props. So that's a great spot to break in the new boat. Yeah. It's literally it's nice break it in you can get some nice residual damage that can haunt you all year long by starting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were a couple of times, man, uh, where we would start the year on like a tidal fishery, like where you're in, uh, you know, like brackish water and to be perfect, man, you just get that salt in right off the bat first, you know, first term of the year. And then that way you're just good for the rest of the year. You know, things can start deteriorating and breaking down right from the get-go. <laughs> so are you going to try flipping when you get there? <laughs> it's Yeah, flip the trees? I think we're going to have a pretty good tournament, man. It's uh, just in the research I'm doing. It doesn't – it's not like a – it's not quite Lake Fork, but it's a dang good Texas fishery, and there are some big fish in there. Like there, there probably is going to be a 10-pounder caught. There's going to be a ton of – seven plus pounders caught and it's just going to be it's going to be good man it's not going to be a tournament where guys are catching 100 small fish it's going to be like go out there and catch 10 or 12 big ones is that's going to be a really good day i think just from what's, from the research i'm doing what's the reason behind the change uh weren't you guys supposed to go to grand yeah and just like always man like it's there's been so much change in the last year with everything going on uh primarily due to COVID and trying to schedule stuff, but there was a giant expo. They were planning on having a giant expo in Tulsa in conjunction with the tournament on grand and with COVID canceling, they had to cancel the expo. They can't have big gatherings like that right now. Uh, they wanted to go back next year just because they, they had everything set up. It was going to be good 
in that region. Uh, they don't want to, so they're going to just do it next year, but they didn't want to have the tournament on the same like two years in a row. That's just lame. Right? Totally so there was sense. like no reason yep. to go back and, and, and make the fishing more boring next year. So uh, I'm just going to be a shootout on a lake that not very many folks have experienced. There are a couple of East Texas dudes like Todd Faircloth and Mountain Jones. They've got experience, a little bit of experience on the lake, but outside of those dudes, I bet, I bet uh, Sprague's got some experience out there. He lives back there also. I'm sure he's fished quite a few tournaments on that thing but for the most part it's it's brand new to everyone so cool all all i've read is folks talking about how many lower units are going to get ripped off <laughs> and how how there'll be some big fish caught so what a what a combo yeah i like that that'd be yeah. almost pre-spawn then no, it will be pre-spawn at that point right February. it will be a hundred percent yeah they'll be yeah. knocking on the door but most likely not quite walking through that door yet nice um yeah, that's that's about it for me, man. What uh, what do you guys have coming up over the next couple of weeks? I know, uh, Rob, you're going to continue on the house. Nick, are you going to try to get your boat out now that you've fixed your battery terminals, man? So I was going to say, man, you know, you you pointed out that I had the slightest bit of corrosion on my battery terminals and posts and all the affiliated stuff. So I I I repaired that. It looks like, and it only took two thirds of a can of PB Blaster to finally penetrate all that corrosion to be able to even undo the eyelid, the uh, eye connectors for the wire. So I'm it was very, fused onto it, huh? Yeah. You know, it just mostly like rust welded itself together. So I undid all that and reassembled it. And I just, I know for a fact that everything is fixed now. I'm just going to get out there. The boat's going to run 74, 75 miles an hour. <laughs> the graphs are going to be more accurate power poles might even work now and uh yeah that's that's my game plan this week i'm gonna i'm gonna get out maybe we'll have like a an outdoor education class as part of my homeschooling curriculum this week and i'll teach kids how to catch nothing and you know we'll practice some of those excuses that we shared with everyone on the video that's kind of my goal for this week i'll teach them how to you know speak barometer and talk about high pressure you know coming in and how the bite had died down from the week before that's probably probably what i'm going to teach them i like it have have you have you turned the motor over and started it since you did this? Yeah, yeah, I and let it, it come to temp. It was great in my backyard. Everything was. <laughs> I, I asked you this, and you didn't give me a serious answer the first time either. Did you start the motor? Is it all good? Like it's... it fired right up, man. That was okay. you know, a week good. ago now, so it probably yeah. needs a little little tickle to get it back to hundred percent. But uh, what it takes, good. what it takes to get a serious answer is. Could you it's twice in a row now. He told me that he let his motor idle for ten minutes. Well, my neighbor, dude, in this neighborhood that we're in, like all of our backyards are just more like postage stamps on top of each other. And my neighbor is super cool, but he, uh, he is just a diehard golfer. And uh, have I told you guys about this? No. This is actually, I can't believe this hasn't come up. And so he's in lending, but he has a little side hustle and uh, he has a business that installs putting greens. And I thought it was like the boring, like, you know, crappy, like putt putt golf. Dude, his is like extremely serious. He has a direct replica of the back nine at Augusta in his backyard. <laughs> no so way, he has man. A bridge. All of the greens? Absolutely. No, not even the greens, dude. Like it's it's like a miniaturized version of it. So there's like, you know, like dog legs and like whoop de doos. And I don't speak golf, but it's hard. I suck at it. And uh He's got a scoreboard that looks like the actual one. He's got like a 10 foot green clock, like the, the clock that they have <laughs> no way, with like dude. gold leafing with his name in it. And so the best part is, is that our back fence is like three feet tall. 
so he can like i can see everyone as they're golfing like i make eye contact when i'm doing the dishes with them and like wave to him because it's so unpersonal so he has this like top of the line incredible golf course in his backyard and then to top it off they can just see right in my backyard my backyard is still a mud bog with a bass boat and a 1981 ford futura on a trailer so it uh, is a direct contrast in how much nice stuff he has going on but yeah it uh the motor does run and I fired it up and I was kind of hoping there was a competitive golf game going on behind me because I thought it'd be kind of funny to have him peek over the wall and see the, the contrast, but that clock I love it. too, it's backlit. So at night, like you think the moon is rising, but it's just his clock turned on. <laughs> that's Jeez. gnarly. That's gnarly. That's like pretty excessive. I think that's any golfer's dream, dude. That's like the equivalent of having a pond full of five pounders in your backyard. He suggested, I said, well, you like fishing. Why don't you like dig a pond over here? And I was like, yeah, that's going to smell like Bigfoot's armpit in like 20 minutes. I'm not doing that. Yeah, wow, bass ponds in backyards it. don't ever work out very well in Arizona. <laughs> I have almost bought a wholesale house one time where the people had literally like ignored the pool for so long that, you know, it went green. And then upon further inspection, Dude, there was like aquarium fish. I think there was even some tilapia. And some of them had grown to the point where like they're like the size of your hand. And I was like, this house would be amazing. I bet I could almost just start throwing bass in the back of this thing. And it would be like a total fishery. A fishery. Fishery. Wow, that's gnarly. There you go. Well, on that note, I think uh, we will probably wrap this episode up, man. Good story, though, Nick. That's cool, man. Um, (laughs) <laughs> going out on a high note i love it no doubt yeah uh thanks again to all listeners uh yeah just uh keep all the good feedback going keep the questions coming in um we've got like this we've got a contest brewing and it's going to be related to um the q a here but we want to make sure that we've got all of our uh eyes dotted and uh t's crossed before we do that um but yeah look for that hopefully next week uh, another good guest coming next week and um hope hope y'all uh get out on the water and, and do some fishing this week